In this episode of Inspiration is Everywhere, Tavi and I are continuing the discussion about aspects of inspiration found in nature and human nature by having a conversation of our own and reflecting on the previous episodes and how they've inspired us. Hello and welcome to the reflection for this batch of episodes of Inspiration is Everywhere, a field guide for the storytellers of the world. I'm Tavi Stutz and I'm here with my co-artistic director of Deconstruction Arts, Jane Rose. And during this episode, Jane and I will be chatting about the previous episodes, which focused on varying aspects of inspiration in regards to nature and human nature. In the episodes leading up to this, we talked about nature and human nature. We fangirled it up like crazy while talking about Yvonne Chouinard. We really, really like him. And had some really inspiring conversations with our friends Manuel Quintero, Petra Page Mann, and Laura Fallon about their experiences and perspectives on nature and human nature. Jane and I did what we do and spent some time listening to the previous episodes. And today we're going to dig into some of the thoughts that came out of that experience. As always, this conversation will most likely end up being a bit tangential because we are both jazzed about inspiration and all the ways nature and human nature can pinball us around. (laughs) Ready? Uh, I guess as ready as I'll ever be. Let's go for it. <laughs> Did you have a thought to to lead us off with or would you like me to start with one? Well, what I can say is that this time going back and listening to them, I spent most of my time, like usually I go back and I listen to everything that we did from the sort of the main conversation and then into the spotlight and then also with the conversations that we have with our friends. And this go around, I skipped what we had to say because I already know what we say. (laughs) Really what I want to focus on with these reflections is like how I've been inspired by the people that we've talked to. Mm, Yeah, I'll I'll say that I did a similar thing, although just as a note, because it amused me so much, I, I still really just enjoyed how we went about nature and human nature so completely differently. For sure. That was kind of... Oh, that is classic Jane and Tavy right there. Well, and that topic was... Or this topic is such a giant topic. So to talk about nature and human nature in one episode and try and keep it under an hour, good luck. We basically Uh, were like, we're going to go ahead and talk about the world. Yeah, exactly. All of it. Every single aspect of the world. Ready, go. Perfect. In a succinct and very organized fashion. We tried. I have very lofty ideas and goals. (laughs) (laughs) Come join us. (sighs) Yeah. Did you have one to dig into with our... So I kind of wanted to bring up first the conversation that we had with Petra Page Man. And in talking to her, one of the things that I loved about our conversation with her is she brought up, I mean, first off, her spirit is just radiant and lovely and was such a joy to listen to that. Actually, I listened to it a couple of times because she has so much joy that even if someone were not into what she's talking about, her passion is infectious what? No, I. that's one of my notes on it is that she got me so excited about the idea of gardening 
And I am not a gardener. Like I am decidedly not a gardener, mostly because I really don't have any interest to learn anything about gardening. And all I do is kill plants. So it was just really, I'm, I'm really just relating to what you just shared because I left that conversation being like, gardening. And then I had to take a moment and be like, Jane, you're a cook. You don't yeah. garden. You don't garden. Luckily your husband gardens. So uh -huh. it's good. It's a good thing. Although if you wanted to, I'm sure he would love to share the responsibility of the garden because it's a lot of work. I'm good. <laughs> for, for anyone who didn't hear that, Jane just said, I'm good. And then she just did like a little hand swipe. <laughs> but what I, what I had written down in my notes about Petra uh, to begin with is that the inspiration of where she started was with her father's garden that she said was 20 by 20, which for me in Los Angeles, a 20 by 20 garden is like, that's a nice size garden, right? And she's for like, sure. tiny. And I was like, that would be amazing. <laughs> I, I think that our garden right now is maybe eight by five. I've got several different flower beds. So there's no sort of one area to measure. But the idea that that inspiration, actually, I wrote this down when I listened to our conversation with Manuel as well, which is when he talked about who first inspired him was a woman in human resources. He was just talking about how hungry he was for more and more and more. And she's like, here, 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 and giving it to him and encouraged him and invited him to step up to the plate. And it got me thinking that so often people that inspire us never know that they inspire us unless we take the time to tell them and like, I don't know, write an email or a letter or something to say, thank you for the inspiration. I think there's so much inspiration that's out there in the world that is never voiced. Yeah. We, we definitely don't always know the impact that we make on others. Mm. I think that that's, yeah, that's a big one. Um, did you have more on on Petra? I mean, so much more. But if if there's something else that came up that you wanted to reflect on, well, I mean, I when I was both editing and then reviewing the uh, the episode with Manuel, uh, he a thousand percent made me cry again <laughs> every single time at exactly the same spots. <laughs> His connection and love of his family was incredibly inspiring and something that I very deeply related to. And I think that's why it continued to, to move me each time that I, that I listened to it and hearing him, you know, talk about the, the pride of both him and his, uh, his abuela, his, uh, his grandmother, like I'll probably get choked up again, you know, thinking about it and the the manner in which he had his sons mm. was just so so beautiful. Yeah. You know, just the the desire to cultivate family and how important that is to his person and how much it informs his his identity, not just as a you know personally, but I recognized aspects of it in his professional as well. And I, I think I mentioned this in the context of the conversation that he approached something that often is seen as sort of like the enemy or, you know, the, the, you know, the policing agent in a, 
in an organization as something that treats you like family mm-hmm. and is is really looking out for your best interests and I can say I have not experienced that with multiple human resource people that I've worked with and it made me wish that all of them sort of had that perspective and that clear pride in the work that they do that it was something he chased after doing not something that he like ended up doing I want to interject, if I may, for a moment, in that you tapped on a few things <laughs> that, I, yeah, you know. <laughs> that I want to talk about. You so seamlessly went from like one thing to another, but I- I created I, my own tangent. I have things that I want to say, which one is, Manuel, if you're listening, thank you so much for sharing those stories. It was so from the heart and so beautiful. And, and we're so grateful that you trusted us with those stories and to share them with us. And- then the other things that I wanted to add in were, yes, his family is definitely a motivating factor in his life of where his inspiration comes from. And it's so beautiful to see that side of it, because I think often families can hold one another back. Mm. And I've seen, right, I, I, I feel like I've seen both sides of that. I've seen sides where families are not necessarily the most supportive. And then the person has to feel like they're fighting against it in order to become who they desire to be. And that, right, which I I believe the whole industry of therapy is based on that. (laughs) And then then (laughs) I'm I'm mostly joking in that just (laughs) (laughs) because you have, because you don't know my personality quite yet. I do tend to joke a lot. And we love therapy. Yeah. And we love therapy. And there's like a little bit of truth in there. Um, But then the other side of that is to see where he is, is that his family was such an inspiration that he wanted to sort of like pick up the ball where they left off and continue on, Mm -hmm. um, which is awesome. And um, then the other thing that you brought into was his style of being in human resources mm-hmm. and how he sort of heads a department and takes people under his wing. And something that I found really interesting is in his story when he was talking about going through the adoption process and that people that he had in his human resources, people that are coming into his office and talking to him are encouraging him and saying, good luck and that sort of stuff. And he realized that there was a, uh, a boundary that had been crossed that he had set up for himself that I'm pretty sure he was aware of, which he called professionalism. Mm-hmm. But why I found it so interesting is that he talked about people coming in needing his help and assistance. So it's like, they're coming in super vulnerable, talking about, I believe one of the instances he brought up was divorce. Mm -hmm. So like they're coming in and talking about whatever hardship they're having at home that's affecting their work. And then to see how, when it's turned on him, then that was like, I'm no longer being professional. Mm -hmm. So I found it really interesting to see how in the world, how we operate as humans and coming together, this idea of being emotional is the antithesis of being professional. Absolutely. And I can relate to that uh, that journey because when I started teaching at Cal State LA, I was really conscious 
to not share aspects of my personal life and not really talk about them in class. And I think it was, I had, I had Jeff as a guest in my class. And, and I, I think that for our listeners that don't know, or didn't go back and listen to the storyteller storytelling and storytellers episodes, Jeff and where I believe she's going with this is her husband. This is true. <laughs> and I, and I, yeah, please continue. Didn't mean to cut you off, but I think that's the example of what you were kind of going after. Hundred um, percent. In that, I would bring I would bring Jeff, my husband, who I I even know from listening to some of our earlier episodes before we had him on or before we planned to have him on as a guest. I referred to him just as my husband, and then now that we've had him on as a guest, I'm like, oh, Jeff, you all know them. Um, Maybe you don't. Go back and listen to his episode. It's awesome. It's a great one. Um, But I would have him as a guest in class and not mention that he was my husband. And it came up and it was weird. And then I started realizing that I was drawing a line that I thought I needed to uphold. That having human emotions and connections outside of a job and sharing them in my job Mm, was somehow inappropriate and would be deemed unprofessional that I, Mm. that there was like this, I don't know where it even came, but there was this idea that like, like Athena springing from the head. I just, you know, like showed up at the job with no history and nothing outside, like what the hell? Um, And, uh, and so little by little, I started sharing anecdotes about my life in class mm-hmm. and and realized that it was actually an aspect of my insecurity. And I don't know if this is, you know, I'm not going to project that onto Manuel at all. This is, you know, what I've realized from listening to him mm-hmm. is an aspect of where I was insecure to share things that felt personal and made me vulnerable in a place that I was supposed to be, you know, quote, professional. But that interestingly enough, when I started doing it, I developed increasingly better relationships and rapport with my students because I became human. That's beautiful. This may be tangential and ending up on the cutting room floor. Cool. Um, (laughs) But the idea of gender and how that plays into that emotional gender if that's such a thing. I may have just started a new term. (laughs) But where emotional life is seen, I put that in air quotes, emotional life is seen as more feminine quality. Mm -hmm. And then there, you know, women in the workplace has been a whole thing. I'm having like crazy deja vu. We have totally had this conversation before. And if it's on one of our podcasts and a listener wants to point out where it was, Please do, because I feel like we've had this conversation before and I cannot remember when. And we do these all out of order. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs> they may not have happened yet. It may come up in a future episode and you'll be like, that's where it happened. But think, right? So, I mean, I guess the thing that where I get inspired and excited is that it's showing that change is here, it's happening and it's current, that emotion is coming into the quote unquote professional space. And what you just brought out is that you see a difference that when you do share yourself, your truth with your students, then it creates a deeper 
bond, which I'm sure also encourages better work out of them. Yeah. Can I jump on something and make it even more tangential? Absolutely. Okay. Because you went down the slippery, slippery slope of gender. (laughs) Yes. It's a slippery slope full of thorns. Um, One of the things that I just wanted to toss in here, and uh, I know that you do it and I consciously don't. And I I think it's just a, a outcome of your how do I how do I say this in a way that I don't have to cut or offend me <laughs> or offend you? Um, so so something that you do very naturally and it is a just a part of you is refer to nature as mother nature, and mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. and I don't and and I realized when I was re-listening to it for some reason it came up for me that I was like oh it's because you when I was editing it, you went to say mother nature and then you stopped yourself and you just said nature Mm -hmm. and it called attention to it for me. Mm -hmm. And what I realized was what I don't like about it is that we feel the need to genderize everything as a society. I feel like we apply gender in ways that sometimes then ends up not serving us. So we've decided that emotions are feminine. Mm -hmm. And they're just emotions. Like, they're what the fuck? <laughs> like, they're, they're natural and we all have them. So why should they have a gender? It's true. I think it's also an American sort of mentality. Is that what we call it? I think it's an American mentality in terms of emotions being feminine. But that where for me, where nature being a mother comes in place. And that's not to say that it's not a man in drag. It could be a man in drag, mother nature. (laughs) The reason why I see that as being a mother is that that's where babies come from, right? There's creation in there. And uh, don't you also need masculine in order to create? Well, sometimes, sometimes you just need paints. Uh, that's where babies come from <laughs> for all the kids that are listening. <laughs> babies come <Right>. from paint. <laughs> it's when paint and a crayon come together. God. They make a wax drawing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I promised tangential right at the very beginning. <laughs> yeah. Shall we try? <laughs> Shall we try and loop this back into the inspiration that we got from our people? Oh, actually, I can tie it right back to Laura and talking about nature. I just went on a over two week expedition with Laura down the Colorado River where it runs through the Grand Canyon. And we put in at Lee's Ferry and we take out at Diamond Creek. And it is so beautiful to see the power that is in nature. So, right, we usually say power is a masculine trait and muscles. This is where my, like, how my tangent worked to get us back on track is that we see power as a masculine thing and emotions as feminine, or at least that's what we're taught. And then we're taught that there's not strength in emotions. And I would venture to argue the opposite which is there's a lot of strength in emotion, which you brought up in having deeper connections with your students. I would say that is strength coming from something that is 
possibly seen as as not strong. Yeah. So kind of redefining what strength even means. I can get on board with that. It still annoys me, but yeah, I probably won't use it myself, but I appreciate your Uh, perspectives. I now want to do a show where we have a mother nature and it's a man in drag. (laughs) That would be fabulous. Um, Jumping onto uh, some stuff that jumped out to me with, with Laura in particular, and by the way, super jealous because okay. you got to go on this trip and I stayed home and edited. You should definitely be jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm incredibly jealous of you getting to go spend over two weeks in the, mm-hmm. that gorgeous environment that she was describing for us. And I loved her story about the, the person who she had on her trip one time, Molly Ivins. Oh, my God, can I add? Absolutely. So this particular trip was an oar trip, which meant there were several boats that would carry at most um, four guests at any given time. So like Laura piloted one of those boats and I was fortunate enough to be on her boat on the day that we went through the rapid that she was talking about in that story. Mm. so where she was like getting tossed over and tossed on on two people and everyone's like grabbing for her and keeping her safe and then she ends up laughing and just before going into that rapid she shared that story with the people that were on her boat and it was so beautiful to see how that story not only inspires Laura but then the other people that are on her boat that she gets to share that story with and then it got me thinking that inspiration comes from a place of sharing, Mm. right? That it's like, we could have gone through that and she could have never have told that story. Mm -hmm. But the fact that she did share that story, but it becomes a beautiful moment of inspiration for everyone that's, that gets to be a part of that moment. Mm -hmm. Again, I hope one day I get to experience that, but not being there, not getting to be there in, in any sort of, physical sense still getting the inspirational takeaway of what support can do yeah and what support looks like yeah I think right now at least where I am in my life right now right now everything feels very disparate and separated and finding where those moments of support actually are mm-hmm. is really telling yeah. No. And it's interesting to see that support can come from a stranger, like someone you, you've never met or you're just meeting for the first time. Mm-hmm. There can be support there if you're open to it. Yeah. You know, Molly was down there with all of her friends. That was a, a beautiful thing that she orchestrated, but she didn't know any of the guides. Mm-hmm. And still the guides are there to all of them, all of them. This, this particular trip, there's a trip leader that goes down. So basically like one person has to make the plan and Mm -hmm. saying like, which camp you're trying to get to and how far you're going to go and what hikes you're going to do and whatever, like one person decides that. And then ideally the rest of the crew is just on board with like, yeah, we're going to do that. And Margot was the trip leader and it was beautiful to see her trip leading and to see the connections that she makes with the people that are down there. It's just 
a really cool experience. <laughs> Anyone who's listening, this is not a, not an ad for Azra, who's the company that Laura works for, but really just saying, go check it out. It is powerful and beautiful. Every corner, there are so many people down there with cameras like, oh, I got to take this picture and this picture and this picture. And I'm sure they took maybe thousands of pictures that look very similar to one another. <laughs> because, you know, the camera can't capture the entire moment. It only gets a little bit of it. And what you're trying to get is the entire feeling of it, which won't fit inside of a frame, unfortunately. No, it won't. It's the experience that you take away. Yeah. Can, can I share another thing about Laura that, or our conversation with Laura that really inspired me? Yes. So I found myself really inspired with the overall trajectory that Laura's, not just career, but life has mm. taken. And again, I found myself relating to it in some interesting ways because what I recognized in it was her being so in tune with who she is in a way that it allowed her to be present in her choices Mm-hmm. and do things that, you know, on paper seem not so connected. Mm. But then when you you look at the core or the heart of them, it makes so much sense. And I feel that those are things that I did so easily when I was younger and then have almost gone through a period where I, I, I second-guessed that instinct a little bit. And now I'm refinding it again and sort of looking back on how I got to this exact place in time, having this conversation with you, having had that conversation with Laura and being able to recognize the power and the inspiration of taking the time to know who you are Mm -hmm. so that you can stay present in your life and in your choices and let those then develop for you. Yeah. I found also a common thread between Laura and Manuel and Petra. The conversations that we had is all of them seem to be people with very open hearts, very caring, very mm-hmm. loving people. And it's it's cool to see how this can be a common trait between three people that took three totally different routes of life. So that that was really cool. Something that I found funny in Laura's and re-listening to it is something that I saw as a trait that went through her life and I labeled it as performing. That was like vinegar in her mouth and not a flavorful vinegar. She did not like it. She's like, no. It was not a nice balsamic. <laughs> no, it was not. It was like distilled white vinegar. The kind you use in Easter egg dyeing. Yeah, and cleaning your floors. Uh, <laughs> but why why I've got so much joy about <laughs> in listening to it is that it got me thinking about one of our favorite conversations, which is semantics, and talking about right the power of the word. For for one person, that word can mean something, and for someone else, it means something totally different, even though it has the same dictionary definition but means different things to different people. So I I really enjoyed how she clarified what it means for her to be in front of a group and talking to people. I'm going to take advantage of the fact that you brought up semantics 
Yeah. And bring up the word embarrassment because I promised to do it in this conversation. And I <laughs> promised to share why I have such a hard time with that. And it it was interesting because it came up in in actually all three of these. And I think it has to do with a certain amount of the the open-heartedness, as you referred to, mm-hmm. and sort of sensitivity with this group of people and where I relate to that and and draw inspiration from it, you know, always bring it back to our theme, right? And uh, this was the first opportunity that I had to both think about and then bring up in a reflection, the connection of embarrassment that some people have with shame. And that, you know, it's like, for me, sharing something embarrassing about myself is not a fun way to end an interview. (laughs) Embarrassment is, you know, the kind of thing that Petra was talking about, about feeling shame in something. Mm -hmm. And it, And so it is an interesting way to get to know someone, Mm -hmm. but it's not synonymous with tell me a funny story with everybody. No. Mm -mm. And and we very often presented it that way with our guests of with without further discussion, embarrassing stories equal funny stories. And I think where it finally clicked for me was Laura talking about how she's not a natural, you know, sort of, you know, accepting your application of the word performer to a certain degree, even though she didn't like the taste of it. Um, But she sees it as disgenuine. I didn't, I didn't mean it as disgenuine, but I see what she's saying and that performing means you're putting on something that's not you. But she is sharing herself. Right. So I could have used a better word, (laughs) but, and then tying it back into where I, where I finally was like, Oh, okay. Now I can talk about it was her reflection that she said something to the effect of that. She's not a comedic storyteller. Mm -hmm. And so she doesn't just have that, you know, that funny story that she can go to or even feel comfortable necessarily. And that this is actually me, I'm then applying. I don't feel that way either. And Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I even enjoy necessarily telling stories that way and connect so much about the concept of embarrassment Mm -hmm. to that feeling of, I wanna crawl under a rock and actually die right now, (laughs) as opposed to, isn't it funny that that happened? And that's why I think the embarrassing story actually says a lot about people in terms of what embarrasses them. Something that I loved about Petra sharing, which again, Petra, if you're listening, thank you so, even if you're not listening, thank you so much for sharing. (laughs) Um, That she said, now that she knows better, she can do better. Mm-hmm. And I loved that because I think so often we can get tied up in, I did something wrong and then stay in that space of like, I'm a bad person. I did something wrong. What she brought up was forgiveness, mm. right? There's forgiveness and there's love inside of that of like, oh, I didn't know better, but now I do. 
And now that I do know, I can, you know, rise to the challenge and do better. You know, I think that's what we call learning. Mm-hmm. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I still may ask us to change that in our season two. <laughs> we'll start the interview with. <laughs> but maybe as a, uh, there's a through line in my head, but this might feel tangential. I have a lovely exercise that I'd like to put in here mm. because we've just brought up some beautiful and poetic and strong words and the power that exists inside of words. And as we all know, words are a human construct, right? We put this together so that we can quote unquote communicate with one another. Yes. So the exercise that I'm presenting you all with or our listeners and Jane and anyone else who taps into it from the ether is to go out into nature, somewhere in nature where you feel like you can just let go. And remember what Laura said, that nature is also in cities. So don't think that if you live in a city, you're not surrounded by aspects of nature. Continue. Yeah, absolutely. So this is go out into nature. It's like, you know, maybe you have concrete under your feet as you're leaning against a tree if that's the closest you can get to surrounding yourself in nature, then that will do. So the, the idea is poetry and it's to write a poem while you're in nature. Mm. Mm, the topic is really your choice. You can write about whatever you want with the parameters. I'm like making shapes with my hands right now, which don't make sense if you can't see me. <laughs> But the parameters of this are to reflect in some sort on your own nature while Mm. you're inside nature. So bringing your own human nature, nature, your own qualities to the table. And you can write anything you want. And I would love to hear what comes out of this. So please join us on Facebook and let us know or send us an email. I'm saying us because Jane's nodding her head and I know she would love to hear it too. Yes. So, um, yeah. So share, share with us what poetry comes out of nature and your connection with it. Nice. I love that. And then I just also want to add an encouragement to our listeners to take this on, to reject any of your own preconceived notions about whether or not you can write poetry. Oh yeah, for sure. And if it's good or bad, leave that at the wayside. Who cares? Get out of your own way Yeah. and write any style of poem in the manner that Tavia is describing. Poems don't have to rhyme. They don't have to be long. There's so many different ways to approach it. I just think people get a little hung up on like, I can't write poetry. I'm not a writer. And I want to make sure that everyone knows that. Yeah, you totally can. Yeah. As long as you know how to write. Like letters? Yeah. (laughs) But maybe you can make a poetic painting. You can make a, the, uh, it's a Buffy line. Um, She says something like, the short poems that sound like a sneeze. (laughs) A haiku? Uh (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. Those do rhyme though, don't they? Oh, there's so many rules with haikus. (laughs) It's like a number of syllables. I think it's seven, nine, seven, but 
but I, I could definitely be wrong about that. But yes, it's there. There's the same number of syllables in the first and the third line, and then a different number of syllables in the second line. Mm-hmm. And it does have to rhyme. I'm pretty sure if, uh, if our friend David Garcia is listening to this, he's going to write a haiku. He loves him. He's a clever little one, that, that man. You could write a limerick. Mm-hmm. Could write a song. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so in starting the wrap up, there are just like, and I find this very poetic. This is my hook into it is when we were talking to Petra and you asked her about growing things and like things that are easier or harder, or whatever, whatever, whatever. She said, grow what you love. Mm. And I find that so powerful. Grow what you love. And I think that can be applied to so many different aspects of life. Mm-hmm. Grow what you love. I mean, I think what we saw in all of the, the people that were highlighted in this series, inclusive of Yvonne Chouinard, is that when it comes to humanity, grow what you love means do what you love. Yeah. Focus on what you love. Every single one of them, Yvonne, Manuel, Petra and Laura have all been guided by what it is they love and what they feel makes them them at their core. Mm-hmm. And that allows you to keep being inspired. And that's one of the things that was so inspirational about getting to participate in these conversations with them. Yeah. A beautiful takeaway from our conversation with Laura was about the respect that she has for the power of nature. Mm. which I, I tapped into a little bit at the beginning of this conversation was that the idea of, of power being a masculine trait, we went into that little tangent and it's just so strong. I, there was a beach that we were at that the sand was so fine and lovely. I was like, oh, I want to feel this on my feet. And I walked around barefoot. And as I was walking, I kicked a rock that was not soft and lovely and like, for for about a week, Laura and I were like, are you going to have to lose the toenail or is it going to stay? Nobody knows. And it was, it was my middle toe. Oh, <laughs> so weird. So like strong, powerful, for sure. Respect it. Yes. And then some words that I want to talk about that came to mind when listening to our conversation with Manuel was he has so much excitement. He's very thoughtful. So this idea of he he knows when he's being fortunate mm-hmm. and he sees everything that's happening as an experience or as an outcome of his being fortunate. Mm-hmm. And he's thankful for it. Yeah. And that gratitude is such a beautiful thing to see. Agreed. This was just a beautiful ride and want to you know thank thank you for taking it with me thank our amazing guests who we got to have these conversations with and thank our listeners for for tuning in and supporting this little endeavor as always want to encourage you guys to reach out to us and let us know different things that have come up for you as a part of these conversations share the outcome of those exercises. We want to hear your poems for sure, for sure. And thank you.
Yes, we will put down in the show notes our Facebook page so that you can have a way of corresponding on a public forum if you want to share your poetry, or you can go to our website and send us a private email if you want to share. We would love to hear it and love to know that you are listening and that you're enjoying this experience and this adventure with us. It means a lot to us. So thank you for that. And thank you for joining us on this exploration of inspiration and how it can come up in nature and human nature. And, and remember that inspiration truly is all around. So at some point today, stop whatever it is you're doing, take a deep, mindful, conscious breath and be inspired.